Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 24 of Bible and Breakfast. Uh, really excited to be joined by Kyle Kimbrough today. Kyle's been um, a really good friend, a mentor, someone who's helped Julie and I as uh, Julie's navigated her Monet business. And I'm just really happy to have uh, Kyle with us today. So how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I appreciate that. Shoot, you and uh, I think you and Julie have, have certainly mentored and taught me a lot more than I've ever shared with y'all. So I appreciate y'all. <laughs> Or no, you get you guys are great. So uh yeah, Kyle Kyle and his wife Joe, they they're kind of the the top of the business that Julie and I are in and they've been uh leading and setting an example which has been been awesome. So uh before we kind of get into some some other questions about, you know, your your background in football and, and with your business, kind of wanted to start out just by hearing what God's been doing in your life, some things he's challenged you with, some things he's been teaching you and just kind of hear you talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, I think this is a time, um, you know, in our country, certainly where where God can do a lot, um, you know, inside of you individually. Uh, and, and I think he's working in all of us. But I, I think that for Joe and I, we talk about this a lot lately. Um, my prayer this morning, you know, every day I wake up and, and I sit, you know, in our living room and I kind of look out and we've been so blessed that we have a pretty good view out there and, and creation, you know, does something to me. And, and so that that's kind of where, you know, I find the Lord every day to get it started. But um, what he's been showing me lately for the last, I'd say, six, eight months, but really the last six, eight weeks is is just this posture right here. You know, just, just this open hand posture of, Lord, what next? You know, like, let's, let's have an open hand mentality about everything, um, you know, about, about our life in general. But very specifically during this time, it's, hey, listen about where we live, about where our kids are going to school, you know, about how we need to be, you know, pouring into our business and, and what's the next step on that. Um, just what church are we supposed to be at, Lord? Like, what, what are we supposed to be? How am I supposed to be pouring into my kiddos every day? You know, just this very open hand policy. And you know, I met with a buddy of mine that actually runs the area Young Life um, here in our area about, I don't know, a week ago, probably. And I was telling him about that. and We were talking through it. And he goes, Kyle, listen, Every single time that I feel like I get off track, it's when I take those hands and I do one of these and I try to grab it and control it. And and that's me, too, because I think if I had to to tell you my weakness, my weakness is that I'm, I always feel the pressure that it's on me and, and that I have to do X, Y, Z in order to, you know, survive or, or get X, Y and Z or perform in some sort of way. And and at the end of the day, I think that's when I get off track. And, and I, yeah, you work as hard as you can for, for his glory and everything that you do. No question. But. But at the end of the day, it's that open hand posture that I think he's really been showing me lately and just asking him, Lord, what next? I'm here. Tell me where to go next. Yeah, I love hearing that. And I think, too, you know, that open hand policy you kind of talk about, you know, from a coaching standpoint, obviously, coaches want to have control and they want to dictate how things work and where they go next. And, you know, obviously, as a business owner, kind of the same thing, you want to have control of kind of how things work, but that's not always the case. And I think having that that heart set and that mindset to allow God to work, and obviously, you know, we we put our time in and our work, and we try our best, but we we allow God to kind of dictate the path. And I think that's a really powerful uh, testimony, man. Appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely. Um, you know, so you we'll kind of get into your your athletic career here. I know you played football at Navy, which you know, as a service school, unique in its own right, you know, it's not a typical division one place where, you know, athletes kind of focus on their sport and their sport only. I know you, you have so many other things you probably did when you were at Navy, but 
Can you not only talk about, you know, your time as an athlete and what you learned from that experience, but also some things that you learned just from being at a service school that kind of, you know, had an effect on that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, there's a lot there, you know, uh, I'll, ne- I'll never forget. <laughs> so, I went to the to the prep school, the Naval Academy prep school in Newport, Rhode Island, before I went to the academy. It, w- it was where they sent people that, quite honestly, weren't smart enough to <laughs> the academy and that was most of the athletes that was certainly me um but I, I remember walking in and man I had a suitcase and I was wearing jeans and, and just like a t-shirt and it was untucked and, and I walked in and this guy this not guy this man came and man I was sh- literally shoved against the wall and he is just screaming his head off at me and you know my bags everywhere and I'm sitting there and he's yelling at me because my shirt's untucked I'm like I don't even know who this guy is well he's a gunnery sergeant well, come to find out when I walked through those doors, I entered boot camp and I didn't know that. I thought, you know, here we go. And it was right into boot camp. So, man, it was like you're just kind of getting thrown into it, thrown into the fire there. But, um, you know, I learned a lot of things uh, in prep school, probably even more so than the academy at first, because it was my first real experience of, hey, I'm out of the house and I don't live with my parents anymore and I'm on my own and I'm getting my teeth kicked in every single day. Right. And, and so there. There's so many principles that I could tell you about, but number one, I would tell you this, I, I, that is where I learned how to sacrifice yourself for the greater cause of everyone else. Um, and our, the Naval Academy, the football team there is called the Brotherhood. You know, they call it the Brotherhood. And, and, and I didn't listen. I only played for a couple of years there and got hurt and came home. But man, the truth behind that statement, and I know we talk about culture a lot, Andrew, and I know you're, you're big on culture, but the truth behind what happened there is, uh, it's, it's the true, I guess the best way to say it is the, the result is so much greater than the sum of its parts. And what I mean by that is, guys, we were, think about the people that go play at the Naval Academy. They're not your people that are probably getting recruited by USC, right? And by Florida and, and, and by Ohio State. Like we got recruited because everyone else thought we weren't good enough. And the Naval Academy said, no, I see something inside of you. I'm going to take a chance on you and I want you to come play for us. So when you get there, you have a sense of hunger. And that's what I saw through our coaches first, but also through our upperclassmen. Andrew, they had a sense of hunger like I'd never seen in my life. I thought that I worked hard, you know, in high school until I saw the hunger and the drive that they had. But but what they did through that is we we formed such a culture and such a bond that, man, I'm telling you, we outworked everyone every day. I, I said on a video a few days ago, I said, you don't understand every single day. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Every single day for three and a half years while I was there. There was not a single day that we walked off the field or out of the weight room or whatever it is that I didn't believe with all of my heart that we outworked every single opponent we were going up against. Like we really did. We were pushed to the point of breaking every single day. And I'm talking about, like, I remember, you know, it's December 15th and we're just prepping for the bowl game and we're still full pads hitting our quarterback and we're about to die, you know, and it's two and a half hours in. Like what is happening? That was our life every day. But because of that, it, it, I mean, I think if you look at the time that I was there and before and after, it had nothing to do with me. But during that period of that coaching staff, man, it was it was really cool. We, we won a lot of games. Um, and what you saw was that the third and especially fourth quarter is when we really won. Because when everyone else is dragging, when everyone else is sucking wind, when everyone else doesn't have anything else to give, that's when we came alive. And it was because, that, you know, and you know this, I mean, you, you teach this to your to coach this all the time, but you don't win the game on game day, you know, you win the game in the off season and the preparation that, that it actually gets you, you know, takes you to that game. And so that's what we, I would say, found a lot of um, 
gosh, I don't know, satisfaction in, in a way. Like we knew as we were puking on the practice field Thursday before the game, we knew that we were going to kick their tail Saturday because no one else was doing that. So I really learned, number one, how to die to myself and sacrifice myself for the, for the team. I got recruited to play quarterback. The day I got there, they said, you're a receiver now. Go have fun. And I was like, this is not what I signed up for. Die to yourself. Go help the team. We ran the option. I blocked every single play. Caught one pass my entire college career. But I learned to take a lot of pride and fulfillment in blocking my tail off, right, and being, being the best at that position. And then also I learned what it meant to have less talent probably, less ability, um, and outwork your competition and see a lot of success through that. It really it, it shaped me into who I am today in a lot of ways. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we see, you know, in my experience playing some of these service schools, like I, we played against, uh, played against, uh, who was it, VMI, the Citadel, yeah. and some of these other, you know, military schools. And it, it's a different breed of kid. And, you know, obviously, thank, so thankful for all the, the service that these people do who attend, you know, and then go on to serve our country. But it's just, it, 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 it takes a, a different mindset to do what you guys do. And I appreciate that. Do you, obviously you said it changed your life and some of those lessons, but as you became an entrepreneur and a business owner, do you feel like you learned a lot of those lessons while you were at the Naval Academy or was it something you kind of always had growing up and everything? Yeah. I, you know, I would say it's a combination of both. Um, you know, my, my dad and my mom both, but um, they poured into us when we were young and, and I won a four and we all played three or four sports and, and uh, man, we worked our tail off every day. And so I was, we were, we were the family that, uh, you know, after, after Wednesday night, you know, you're eating, you know, supper or whatever. And, my, and we lived about a block from the gym, literally. And my dad said, all right, let's go to the gym. And we'd go and we'd work out again until 10 o'clock. You know, uh, I was before school when we were in elementary school, we had lights that my dad would put on the court and that uh, we'd wake up in the dark and run through drills. Right. And, and do ball handling and everything. And so that mentality was certainly ingrained in me um, for sure. But I think what I learned, especially in college, was this. I learned, and, and this is what we, we try, to, try to tell people all the time in our business, as you know, but everyone wants the secret sauce. Everyone wants the secret. Everyone wants the quick trick. And everyone, or, you know, what is it? I just, if I just knew one more thing, then I can do X, Y, Z. At the end of the day, it's you got to outwork your competition. And at the end of the day, it's the compounding effect of every single day outworking the other guy. Like, uh, like Tim Tebow said at our conference last year, you know, somewhere out there, somebody is out training you. And when you meet, he will win. Well, when we were in college, that was us. And we knew that and we believed that and, and our success showed. And so, yeah, I, I think that it was a combination of both my childhood and then also college as well. But in college, I really saw it come through. I mean, when you're playing the, some of the schools that we played and have some of the success that we had, there's no way to explain that other than we outworked them every single day. We had more hunger and uh, it showed. So, yeah, when you were when you were starting out uh, the business with Monet and, you know, before you guys got into it, you were doing some real estate, you did some other things. And I know when you guys were just starting out, you know, you were kind of finishing your last real estate deal, brokering a deal. And, and it's kind of an incredible story. I know it was something you were you were pumped about. It was going really well. And then it kind of took a turn and, and became a little adventure. Uh, but I wanted you to maybe share a little bit about that story um, and just kind of some lessons you learned from that experience. Well, yeah, that's a uh, man. That's a crazy story right there. I'll keep it real short because um, it's a long story. But, you know, bottom, <laughs> feel free to take your time, man. Take your time. <laughs> Bottom line is I was uh, I was in commercial real estate prior to Monet and um, I was in my last deal 
when we got started inside of this business. And when we got started inside of this business, as you know, and as you guys did as well, man, we ran. It was every day, all day long. We saw an opportunity. We still see this opportunity. And so we ran and, and we, to living proof of what we've just been talking about, we, we, we wanted to outwork everyone every single day. And my wife certainly did. And, and I was right there helping her as much as I could. Um, but my last deal was a big deal, multi-million dollar deal. And uh, it got, it, it turned into a mess. And, and, and bottom line is this, guys, I had, um, I was the broker on both sides. It means I was really the only guy to blame or give credit to, but to blame if something went wrong in nine days before, after a nine month period and hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on this piece of property, nine days before it closed, I had the title company attorney call me and said, I can't close it for reasons that never should have happened. And we should have found out nine months earlier, but he messed up. The attorney messed up is, is the bottom line. However, I messed up too. And I'm sitting there full speed ahead in Monet. This is my last deal. I've worked for nine months to get it to this point. I thought it was done. And I'm so focused on what we're doing inside of our business that I let my errors and omissions insurance lapse with real estate. Completely forgot. Let it lapse, right? So I have an angry seller that finds out we can't close. And I also have a buyer that's a friend of ours, but has multi-six figures already in. And there's nothing you can do about it. And I have this seller about ready to, to come after me. Guys, I was on the hook for over $2 million. Me. And Joe, our family, was on the hook for that kind of money. We had no insurance. And here's the problem is that I was, at the end of the day, liable. Even though I wasn't the attorney that, that messed up at the title company, I was liable and I was about to be caught up in it. And so, you know, kind of what happened, and, and long story short, Andrew, is I, my back was against the wall. I mean, it was we were about to we were about to lose. We would have lost and go bankrupt as a family. And so I called the title company and said, "How do I close this thing? What do I have to do?" And and, and the story is, there's 88 lots in this neighborhood, and I'm trying to sell the one on the front for commercial use. And the title company says, "Hey, you got to sign. You got to get a notarized document that we're going to prepare. And by the way, it's going to cost you about six thousand dollars for us to prepare it." And then you have to go door to door and get them to sign it saying that you can put your automotive shop inside of their neighborhood. I said, well, how many do I have to do? So all 88 lots. Most of them have two landowners and you have to get the right deed and the name. I mean, it was a mess. Right? It was a mess. It was impossible. It was impossible. How am I going to get 88 signatures? So I come home, I tell Joe this and we're like, well, what are we going to do? We, we had no options. And so first thought was, let's call more title companies. And so, man, I, I busted my tail spending as, about a week calling every single title company I could. And not only the title company, but the insurance underwriter. Long story, real estate aside, long story short, I found a title company that would do it for 66 lots. They said, if you'll go get 66 of the landowners, and there was really about 115 signatures because most of them were married, then we'll close it. So here's what I did. <laughs> I had... I hired a public notary. I met her every single day at CVS on the corner by this subdivision. She hopped in my truck and guys, I went door to door. And I want you to imagine this for just a minute. Imagine me coming to your door. It's 630, right? You're off work. You're trying to have, you know, family dinner. And this random guy knocks on your door and tries to explain this situation of why this notary standing here with all these documents. And I'm trying to ask you if you would be willing to let us come in, get your IDs, and you would read through this legal document. We all know how long that takes, right? To sign your name and get it notarized that we can put in an automotive shop next door. Like, think about that. Just somebody walking in and telling you that. Guys, 
it was horrible. It, it was the it was the hardest thing that I've ever probably had to do business wise, but, but I had no choice. Like it was either we do that or, or we go under. And so it was a situation where I had to sit Joe down and, and, and the kids down and say, daddy's going to be gone at night for a little while. And I'm going to have to go get this done because I have no other option. And, and that's what we did. And so for, it took us five weeks. I want to tell you something. I got no after no after you're crazy after I'm not letting you come in after how dare you try to put this automotive shop inside of guys. Every negative thing, every kick you to the curb type mentality, all signs pointed that I was not going to do it. About three weeks in, the seller's like, this is taking too long. You've cost me too much money. I'm ready to go to court. Uh, My buyer is getting second opinions that are saying, even if he gets these signatures, it doesn't matter. You still can't close. I mean, it was quite honestly like a living help. You know what I mean? It was. But we did it. But we did it. Every Saturday, every Sunday, and every single weeknight, I hired this public notary. And Dad Gummin, if we didn't get 66 signatures, closed the property. Three years later, here we sit, thriving business. And guess what? It's actually a really, really nice business. And all the landowners around it are really happy that it came in. Um, but that's kind of the story behind that. And it, to me, it's an example. And listen, I don't think if I wouldn't have had my childhood with my parents, I wouldn't have had the experience I had in college. I'm not sure that I would have had the mindset, the work ethic, or the belief that you can overcome almost the impossible and that you can really do anything that you want to do if you have enough drive, enough hunger, enough commitment, and you stink and stay at it every single day. And, and that, was, that was living proof in that business still for me. I'm, I'm grateful to be out of that one. Yeah, I'm sure. But those, like you said, man, those lessons are, you take those with you in your business. You can take those with you, you know, for people who listen to this show, coaches, players. I mean, that perseverance, that work ethic, it it takes you to places that you can't, you can't go otherwise. And you didn't have somebody who was sitting there pushing you to do that. It was something you had to figure out. You had to stay disciplined and, you know, look where you're at now. So it's one of those things where God puts, tough situations in our life where we're like, oh crap, I can't do this. What is going on? I'm done. But we find a way and we know that God's in control. And I think it's really cool to see how you overcame that adversity and to see how you've used it to impact other people uh, for the greater good. So appreciate that story, man. It's awesome. I mean, I think, you know, here's the harsh reality is I think we, uh, everybody wants a testimony, but nobody wants to go through the test. And that test was brought to me, um, not because I wanted it, but, you know, because of that specifically, I've shared that with multiple people much more in depth um, along the way in our business and in our journey. And I can tell you right now that that testimony that the Lord just blessed me with, as I sit here today, I can say that has really blessed and helped a lot of people and encouraged a lot of people and, and, and quite honestly been a difference maker for a lot of people um, over the years. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I wasn't happy about the test, but man, I was thankful for the testimony. You know? Yeah, well, we're, we're thankful for that test too, Max. It's impacted a lot of us. Um, you and your wife, Joe, you know, you guys work this business together. And I know there's a lot of, a lot of people who maybe work with their wives and it doesn't always go so smoothly or it's tough or it hurts their marriage. And I know it's probably not easy all the time for you guys, but one thing that I've always appreciated, and I think it's an obvious thing that a lot of people see is how smoothly you two work together, um, how much you love each other, how much you guys have just embraced this idea of teamwork, not only in your business, but in parenting your kids in hosting events in all, all, all areas of life. I mean, I think it's so obvious. And I just kind of want to ask you, like, why, why do you think that is? What is it about you and Joe that makes you guys work so well as a team? 
Well, you're you're very kind. Um, <laughs> if she feels the same way, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen. I think number one, uh, I won the wife lottery. Um, you know, I just to think that that you know, my wife is my wife is is humbling. And um, so, n- number one, she's just outstanding. She's awesome. She's she's for sure my better half in every single way. And and so that that was a blessing. But um, you know, for us, what we were able to do uh by the grace of god it kind of happened naturally andrew it was not anything that we you know realized ourselves. but we have strengths and weaknesses and they kind of flip-flop for each of us so my strengths are her weaknesses and vice versa and so as we were to get started in this business and as we started really working this thing hard kind of naturally to be honest with you she started pursuing the ways that she needed to help the team and grow in her strengths. And I started in my strengths and it just so happened that it just worked really well. Now, now that being said, it's not like every day's, you know, sunshine, sunshine and roses. I mean, we have really hard days um, working together. I mean, that's the honest truth, right? We, we don't have an office. And so every single day we wake up and we're in our office and we're with our business partner, but at the same time, it's like marriage and all the other things. And, you know, so our that is probably our biggest struggle. I think it's it's a double edged sword because I think the greatest blessing that God's blessed us with over the last three years is being able to work together because we've we've certainly grown um, in so many areas. But it's also it's also the worst thing at times, and and we have to make I would say that we have to be very intentional um, about how we go about our day and our week. I can get really focused on checking off lists and doing things and accomplishing things and not as focused on intentional time. Yeah, we may work together for eight hours a day, but have we really spent any intentional time together as a married couple? Well, for me, it's like, well, we were together eight hours. And for her, it's like, yeah, but we work. Like, what <laughs> if we just go have dinner together. And so, you know, like I said, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's where that is. Number one, that that's been the biggest blessing, but it's also been the biggest struggle. And, and we've really had to learn how to adapt through that. But the Lord's really, he's worked us through a lot of things, I think over the last three years that we never would have actually walked through otherwise. And so I think at the end of the day, we sit here today and, and, you know, I think that we know each other better. I think we understand each other better. And I think that um, it's really grown us as a married couple. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, thank you so much for, for you guys' example. I know it's not always perfect, and no, nor is anyone's marriage, but it's so good to have people who exemplify the good in it and who, you know, are doing things the right way. So appreciate you, and thank you so much for taking time uh, to talk with us today. Appreciate the stories and leadership ideas. So uh, for Kyle, uh, this is Andrew, and we'll talk to you later.